All right, guys, and welcome to episode 15 of Ferg's Footy Fanfare. I'm Ned, and joining me as always is Jay. Jay, how you going, mate? Good, mate. Good. I'm happy to be here for the Jack Billings episode number 15. If uh, this episode is half as classy as the man himself, we're going to be in for a rip at night. And well, if it's half as classy as Jaden Short, I tell you what, we're going <laughs> to we're going to cover a lot of things, mate, because that fella can cover a lot of ground. Yeah, that's um, it. He gains a few meters. Yeah. So obviously, we are here on Wednesday, the 29th of September. Close the 30th. 30th. My bad. Um, so we are one day away. Well, in 24 hours' time, the first qualifying final of the 2020 season between Port Adelaide and Geelong will be underway. Um, so I guess firstly starting off, um, the teams have been selected. Um, Jay, do you want to go through the ins and outs for each respective side? Yeah, for sure. So um, we'll start with the home team, Port Adelaide. They've been out, you know, they've um, made three changes. Uh, so out comes Lenert. Bonner and Woodcock. And their ins are Burton, Butters and Cleary. So three big ins, Ned, and I think that's really yeah, gonna work in their huge. favor. Yeah, that's um yeah, three very good ins. Um Bonner's been um quite decent and Woodcock's shown patches here and there. Um obviously just his first season. Um can't expect, you know, can't expect him to reinvent the wheel, but yeah, they have three very big ins for Port and that, that'll give them a load of confidence playing a home final at the Adelaide Oval. Yeah, spot on. I mean, I think that um, it's hard to say because Bonner, I feel like he's been a little bit hard done by, but when you have those three names coming in, it's hard to find a spot for him. And I know that uh, Woodcock's been very hard around the ball as well, especially up forward. He's been getting in there and doing the big job. So... Um, a bit like you say, when you've got the quality of butters, you know, to make the All-Australian shortlist, it's, um, you know, it's a bit of a no-brainer. So I think they're in good stead for tomorrow night with those three ins. Well, a selection headache is um, is a pretty good headache to have. And that's what's always been said in um, really any sport. And I think, yeah, yeah, this is huge for Port. Um, so do you want to give us over to the Geelong side of selection and what you think? Yeah, for sure. So we've got um, Radagalia and Jack Stephen out. And coming in for them, we've got Atkins and Reese Stanley. So um, I know that I touched on this briefly last episode. Is that uh, I think it's the right decision for Geelong to go with Atkins over Stephen, more so just for that defensive presence that he has. Um, Geelong has a very attacking midfield. They have, you know, a, a quite a full artillery when you think about Ablett can go through there, Dangerfield, Selwood, and you've got Menegola doing a lot of work on the wing as well. So to have that defence, you know, that defensive presence to kind of even it out, I think it's pretty smart in their tactics. And in terms of Stanley coming in, I think that he might be able to um, provide just a bit more impact in the contest and potentially up forward as well. Radically is very serviceable, but we do know at times that he can struggle to really take a game, you know, take a game by the scruff of the neck and uh, dominate. Yeah, Radically in um, Geelong's last final, which is last year's preliminary final, um, I think he only had three touches for the game. So I think, yeah, Stanley's probably a bit more logical. Um, like we said, he's a lot more serviceable around the ground and um, 
he's quite a proven player. Um, Stephen hasn't really found his click at Geelong yet. Um, we haven't really seen like what we've seen that saw him get four best and fairest at St Kilda. We just haven't really seen that from Stephen, whether that's just fitness or um, or um, just not being able to fit in quite well. But yeah, I think Atkins might be the right way to go, especially defensive-wise, like you said, because Port really rely on that pressure. And um, one way Geelong will be able to win this game is to be able to serve back that pressure at Port Adelaide. Yeah, that's exactly right. And that's probably a good segue. Um, We told each other to go and do our homework and uh, we've outlined just a key couple of words for the key for each team to win. So essentially we'll go through each game and we'll just outline that. So Ned, in order for Port Adelaide to win, what are the key words that you've focused on? So Port need to win territory. Um, Port are a big territory team, much like Richmond. Um, and also another thing um, is that a lot, after clearances a lot, Patrick Dangerfield tends to go forward and stay forward. So if they're able to win the territory um, and keep the ball locked in their forward half, then they're sort of nullifying Patrick Dangerfield's impact on the game, which will force them to have to bring Dangerfield forward. And that only leaves Tom Hawkins up forward, um, which will be better for Port's defence because Port will be able to, um, you know, adjust and be able to, you know, it's a lot easier to defend just Tom Hawkins instead of Tom Hawkins and Patrick Dangerfield. But also, Port need to win pressure at the ball. And I think we saw that in the Geelong-Richmond game where Richmond brought a lot of hate to Geelong. Geelong tried to control the ball and Geelong were just not able to get that nice, clean ball that they really pride themselves on this year. No, it's good. That kind of works straight into mine because I think in order for Port Adelaide to win this game, they need to exemplify chaos. Um I watched the game where they lost earlier in the season by 10 goals to Geelong. And far too often, it was just let to... um, The game was played out in Geelong's terms. And we've seen it so far, you know, Geelong really... They don't play on. A lot of uncontested marks. You know, clean... You know, very clean, um, efficient disposal out of the back. So I think... And Port Adelaide being such a good contested ball team, and especially inside the centre clearances and all that... They really need to make sure they get down and dirty and do the hard work, which will essentially result in them uh, gaining that territory that will become very important for them. So if they can exemplify chaos and bring the heat on the inside, that goes a long way for them to win tomorrow night. I think another key would be as well is kicking the first three goals. Oh, yeah. Jeez. Take that for any game, though. <laughs> yeah, but um, in, in, in a crowd sense that... um. Mm. You'd probably think, I think they're allowing 25,000 or something there. Right. You'd, you'd assume so that probably 22,000 of them are going to be Port Adelaide fans. Yeah, I mean, it's it's been really good. It's been really good in a way this year to have the non-crowds in some areas. Um, so that I remember the first game that Adelaide Oval had, it was Port Adelaide versus St Kilda. And there was only something like 5,000 fans. But you could tell you know, just how supportive the Port Adelaide fans were and how much of an issue it must be for away teams to go and travel there. So you are right in that sense. Well, yeah, in that sense that, um, you know, the Victorian teams that have been, you know, based out of Queensland have only really had to deal with um, 
you know, 3,000 or to 5,000 crowd capacity. So there's that no real noise of affirmation, which I think might come into play for Port Adelaide. And I think we've seen it for Port this season playing home games. But, um, yeah, that's Port Adelaide. We'll move on to Geelong. So what do you think Geelong will need to do to win this game? Um, look, much like the rest of the season, I think they need to stay clean and composed. Um, honestly, I think... Um, the only team that I have that I see them having an issue with that sort of game style is with Richmond. So it's been proven on many occasions that it doesn't work that way. But I think for every other team in the competition, they have a game plan that will beat you know any team they come up against. So um, a lot will come down to Selwood, Dangerfield in the middle. But if they're able to maintain that clean, composed, kind of keepings off football and then work it through. I think that the forward line battle for Geelong will be really interesting. You know, you'll have Jonas who's been in, you know, probably a little bit stiff not to make the old Australian shortlist. And you've got Cleary coming back in. So that's going to keep Hawkins busy as well. And it's going to, you know, ask Stanley to come down and provide an impact as well. I think that's another reason why they've gone in. Um, <clears throat> yeah. So I think Geelong will have to win the clearance game. I think, you know, when you've got someone like, um, you've got a real in and under player like Selwood that'll win you the ball nine times out of 10. And you've got Patrick Dangerfield, who's obviously a quick burst runner and has a long penetrating kick that can easily kick 55 metres into their forward line. Um, just one thing for you, though, and this is what I've sort of thought may have been a bit of a letdown for Geelong is for them to go all the way and to win the Premiership, which we think that they'll do deep into September. Do you think they're too reliant on Tom Hawkins? And I think that's what I um, sort of analysed from the Geelong-Richmond game is that a team that'll play a team defence, like I don't know if Port will play a full team defence, but is that going to be a big letdown for Geelong that if they're so reliant on Hawkins and Hawkins is able to be um, nullified and say Hawkins only kicks one or two goals for the game, is that going to be enough for Geelong to win, to win the game? Um, I'd and be, also to go deep into finals. I think the uh, firstly, I think that if Port Adelaide are able to stop the, um, you know, the impact that Hawkins have, that they will go a long way to winning. I don't think that's the be all and end all. Um, Geelong scored the most points this season, and they had the Coleman medalist. You know who, and he won by a fair amount of goals. But it does show that they they do have other avenues to scoring. Um, they do rely on him quite a bit, but I feel, especially if they're able to stay clean and composed, particularly dependent on how quickly they move the ball, their smalls such as Myers and I know Brad Close isn't playing, but a lot of their midfield fielders kick goals as well. You've got Duncan that chimes in, you've got Menegola. So they'll have to play their part as well. So it'll all depend on how quickly they're able to move the ball. But and that's where it comes back to my key words for them. If they're not doing it in a composed manner, then they're going to be in big trouble because they'll just be banging it to Tom Hawkins. Yeah, so um, that's my night's game covered. Um, so we have done our tip. Oh, I've done my tips. Have you done your tips? Yep, I have. Margin. Um, so do you want to give me your tip for tomorrow night's game? Um, yeah, considering what happened earlier on in the season with Geelong winning by 60 points, this might seem a bit outlandish. Um, I've gone Port Adelaide by seven, and I think that's not to say that the Adelaide Oval has an 11-goal swing, 
But I think that, poor, you know, we're finals football, you know. It's not very often, especially in this day and age, where you get teams not showing up, especially when they're two teams of similar skill. So I'm going to go Port Adelaide by seven points. Yeah, so I, I've done Port Adelaide by 15. I think um, the massive swing with the Adelaide Oval and the home crowd advantage, like you said, it's probably not an 11-goal advantage, but it's probably about a six-goal advantage for mine. But I think um, I think Port are a much better side now than what they were when they played Geelong. They haven't lost a game since they lost that game to Geelong. So yeah, it's, it's a very good point. So that says that, you know, Port, um, they haven't really been phased by it. And I think they've just tried to build forward. It's a very good point. And, uh, you know, if I could just touch on the last round they played against Collingwood, I feel like Collingwood played their best football. I think that was as good as Collingwood could have played. And, you know, Port Adelaide still disposed of them by about three goals. So um, in saying that, I won't be surprised if Geelong wins. I feel like they are very much capable of doing so. Yeah, yeah, you're right there. Um, yeah, Geelong. Yeah, Geelong have been very good for a number of years, and I think, yeah, they can easily win this one. This is probably this is probably one of the closer games to pick out of the four, but I, I think the home ground advantage will suit Port. So then we move on to the second qualifying final, which will be on Friday night um, between Brisbane and Richmond. Um, news already coming in from the Richmond camp that. Um, Tom Lynch will not play. What do you think the ramifications are for either side? And where do you see this having a, um, having a sway on the result? Um, look, I think that it'll obviously impact Richmond's ability to win. Uh, although in saying that, I think that it's entirely precautionary. You know, that they are understanding that they've got the second chance. Um, give him a week off, make sure he's 100% right. Do I think they would be doing that if um, Brisbane had Harris Andrews? No. I I think that's a huge part of it as well. I feel like if Harris Andrews was playing, then he'd have to play, even if it was just a much more like centralised to the goal square kind of role, that would, um, you know, take part. But I think that it's a smart decision. If he's not 100%, it's just a qualifying final. You know, worst case scenario, they've got the semi, he comes back in full strength Richmond squad from what the list is available. So what are your thoughts? Obviously, you're a Richmond fan. Um, You've been looking at this game. You're the one to talk about the preview. So what are your thoughts on it? Yeah. um, I think, yeah, like what you said, that's completely, that's completely right. If Richmond are playing in a knockout final this week, Lynch will be playing. Um, But also against Brisbane, um, Dustin Martin has played a lot of time forward against Brisbane. So don't be surprised if you see him spending 60 to 70% time forward, especially with, um, you know, players like Prestia and um, Bolton coming back into the side that um, they create more midfield depth. Um, Yeah. So I, I think, yeah, but it's like what you said, it's very precautionary. So what is your key for each side to win this game? Um, I think these go hand in hand uh, and it has definitely more to do with the mental aspect of these two teams coming together. Considering that Richmond, you know, it's, it's well established. They have the wood over 
Brisbane. When was the last time Brisbane beat them? 2009, was it? 2009. Trent Cochin and Dustin Martin have never lost against Brisbane. That's exactly right. So for Richmond to win this game, they need to come out hard. You know, they need to assert dominance from the get-go. And they need to, you know, remind the Brisbane Lion players that they are their bunnies. They live in their back pockets. You know, they're having 16 games or 17 games that they've won in a row. So I think that that uh, is... 15. 15. So that, that's the role for Richmond. They need to come out hard, which they will. You know, they're a very experienced mob. This isn't their first rodeo. Um, I, I, I have no doubt that Richmond will be able to do that. Yeah. What are your um, key words for Richmond to be able to get the job done? Uh, so for mine for Richmond, Richmond just need to get their system going with that whole, um, you know, they always play that one man back. And generally that one man back is Dylan Grimes. Um, and then also the clearance game because they're playing at the Gabba. And like we say, the Gabba is a very short, narrow ground that if you're winning the center clearance, you win it from, you know, the middle of the ground and your average AFL player can kick 50 meters on a bomb. That's going to send you right into your, you know, that's going to send you deep inside or not deep, but you know, right to that probably 25, 30 meter out zone outside, inside your 50 and um, we know that Richmond really pride themselves on forward half pressure. So that's just going to allow Richmond to win that pressure, get it in quickly, allow the smalls to do their work. Um, that's going to hold them in good, sched, in good stead for giving them scoring shots. And also just the pressure around the contest. Obviously, Brisbane have a lot of class players around the midfield. Lockie Neal is going to win the Brownlow. Um, Dane Zorko, um, McCluggage. And Lions, you know, very capable users. Richmond just need to, you know, shut them down, put them under pressure, force them into errors. And we've seen that um, the last few times that Richmond have played Brisbane that um, once Brisbane sort of cop the heat, they, um, they lose that sort of nice cleanliness and that ability to be able to work the ball back into the corridor. And um, that's where they ultimately, they ultimately look through the corridor Whereas Richmond like to force them wide, and that's what Richmond will look to do. Yeah. And uh, I, this comes into my words that will describe how Brisbane win. Um, they need to rise up to the challenge. Now, I'm, I'm almost positive that none of this would have been spoken about in-house. You know, they'd be well aware of the kind of demons that have been haunting them. But, you know, the fact is that they went out in straight sets last year. The fact is that they haven't beaten Richmond in a long, long time. And the fact is that they have, you know, in their last two finals they lost last year, that was at the Gabba. So they need to rise up to that. There are a lot of players, including their younger players. I know we've spoken about them quite a lot this year. We've got your Barry, McCluggage, Rayner, Hipwood, along those likes. It's, it's time for them to stand up. Yeah, and it's time for the boys to become men. And that's, that's, exactly, and that's, that's exactly right. That's one thing that I still think about Brisbane is that a lot of these younger players you say about, and we only had to look at it in finals last year, none of them really stood up. They still played like boys, like the early GWS sort of sides, you know. I think there's still too many passengers. I think there's a few that need to just step up and, you know, really um, grab the game by the scuff of the throat. Because let's be honest, these players are very capable. They're very good players. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, what are your words that how are Brisbane going to win this? 
well, obviously, um, straight kicking has been their issue this year. Um, I think last year's qualifying final against Richmond at the Gabba, they had 25 shots mm-hmm. at a return for about seven goals. Yeah, because they were dominating at the start of that game as well. If they were accurate, they probably could have put that game to bed before halftime. And then the game this year at Metricon, Brisbane um, had 21 shots for a return of four goals. Yeah. It's and then really- also, I reckon Charlie Cameron's been down on the second half of this year. He really needs to step up and probably have a... Two, three, probably a three-goal game, I'll say. Yeah, he really needs to step up. And, you know, he's probably been the driving force to this Brisbane forward line. Um, Obviously, Hipwood's a very good player, but we probably haven't seen Hipwood reach his full potential. And are you going to bank on him to reach his full potential? Probably not. I think you'd be more reliant on Charlie Cameron being able to do that. And if he can kick, you know, three or four goals. And we generally saw that last year, that whenever Charlie Cameron, or even this year, Charlie Cameron kicks three or four goals, Brisbane generally go on to win the game. Yeah, it's a very good point. And uh, I know that some goal-kicking has been haunting them for It feels like an eternity now. Um, But you can't go into final series being inaccurate because you're playing against the best and the best teams tend to make you punish... tend to punish you for those kind of mistakes. Yeah, so then moving on... So is it St Kilda and Bulldogs the next yeah, game in the fixture? That's it. So that's the Twilight game on Saturday. Um, and look, I reckon that's going to be an absolute cracker of a contest either way. Uh, you know, I'd be pretty. Um, oh yeah. Um, sorry to interrupt you, but for tipping for oh, Richmond yes. Brisbane, what's your tip? Um, in a similar approach, I think that Richmond is going to maintain its dominance over Brisbane, and I think that they'll get up by thirteen points. All right, I've done um, Richmond by 28 points. And also, in saying that, because it's Richmond-Brisbane, I've just had a little multi that I will chuck on um, before Friday night's game. Endorsed and sponsored by Mark Costa, of course. Thank you. Yeah, well, Mark wasn't able to give us anything. So So we'll just use his name and give him the dirty handle. Very piss-poor punting right there. (laughs) So this one is a seven-leg multi, thanks to TAB. Um, we don't endorse gambling, of course. Uh, this one's at 100 to 1, a seven-leg multi. So Richmond to win by 1 to 39 points. Lockie Neal to have 20-plus disposals. Jakey Arts, who's been very consistent this year, to kick a goal. Dustin Martin to kick three-plus. And um, before 2020, Dustin Martin um, kicked 14 out of three games against Brisbane. So that's an average of four goals a game. And then also Richmond to win the second half as Richmond have been a very good second half side. Uh, Shane Edwards get 15 plus disposals and Basha Hooley to have 20 plus disposals. We'll see you at 101 to one. Well, look, if you've got a spare couple of bucks to spend, I'd be tossing it on that because that is every chance of getting up. Yeah, so... Moving on to your Saints and uh, Footscray. So, you're a St Kilda fan. What has St Kilda got to do on Saturday to progress to play Richmond or Brisbane? Well, the thing is, these these two teams played each other in round two, you know, uh, straight after the um, suspension of the season from COVID. And um, 
St Kilda, you know, there was the first real sign that you got to see of that real quick, fast football, you know, them flying through real quick transition from defence to offence. Throughout the season, they've had ebbs and flows where teams have been able to find them out. And I think the key for St Kilda is to have a plan B. Because I think that the dogs are going to be very, they're going to be very tight defensively. And I think in a way, St Kilda will try and stop that. They'll have Jaron Geary, who normally plays in the back line. They'll have him go to either Caleb Daniel or Jason Johannesson. I, I think they'll have him go to Caleb Daniel because he's been more important through them, for them throughout the second half of the season. But for St Kilda to get the win, they need to make sure that if they get stopped from going quickly, they need to find an alternative route because when they've struggled, that's when they just start to bang it bang it long forward and have no real kind of edge when they're going forward. Um, I think the St Kilda, out of the St Kilda camp, it's uh, been confirmed today that Josh Battle will not play. Uh, but they've got Zach Jones coming in, who I think is just as valuable to that team as anyone really in terms of the run that he provides and the ability to get the ball in quick. So I, I think it's going to be an absolute cracking contest, Ned. I'm not too sure about you, but um, have you got any thoughts on the game or...? Yeah, I'm really looking forward to this one. I've got absolutely no clue which way this one will go because we've obviously seen um, over the years the potential of this Bulldog side. You know, they, they have the potential to be a you know very good top four side. But what we've seen from St Kilda this year is that we've seen a side that's that's knocked off Richmond and very quite convincingly um, and beaten Port Adelaide over in Adelaide. So... Both sides are very capable, and I can't wait to see who's really going to flex their muscles first. So, have you just given your key for St Kilda to win, or do you want to give me your key for St Kilda to win? To have a plan B. That That's my key, nice and simple. Yeah. Yeah, nice. So, my key for St Kilda, I think, um, like what they did to Richmond and Port Adelaide, pressure. You know, they've really got to bring that manic pressure. But also get that fast play going where they go coast to coast really quickly and you always see them, like whether it's a butler or a hill, um, you know, streaming into an open goal. Yeah. No, spot on. Uh, in saying that, and I think this is key um, for the Western Bulldogs, so often they've been able to score from their defensive line. So I think that they need to stay solid in defence. I think that if they're able to catapult and form their attack through the back line, uh, I think the St Kilda will give them issues with that in terms of the Johannesson, Daniel. I think Alex Keith is going to have to have, play a big role. Uh, he's really going to have to stand up throughout the game. And same with Zane Cordy and players like that. because, And, of course, they've got their midfield, which is instrumental, and you'd say that it would be far more talented than St Kilda's midfield. So I think that would lead into your um, tips for Western Bulldogs to win. Yeah, I think their class players really need to stand up. Um, obviously, they made an elimination final last year against GWS. They got bullied. Um, I think there were a few players down from memory, but they really need their big players like McRae, Bontempelli, Liberatore, um, Hunter, um, Norton potentially if he plays, and um, you know Caleb Daniel needs to use the ball well off half back. Um, you know, Bulldogs not going to not not going to be rude to you, but I think they have the potential to really blow this game out of the water if everything all clicks together. But we haven't seen that all click together since 2016, in my opinion. 
Yeah, I, I mean, I'll, I'll get on to that um, with my overall tip. But firstly, I've also created a little multi for this game as well. Um, missed out on the opportunity to really, you know, clash heads with Mark and figure out what some would say the elite multi. But I've come up with this one a little bit more modest than yours, Ned. It's only coming in at $15. So I've got um, St Kilda for the little win, you know, 1 to 39. I've got the total points over 122 and a half. Uh, Nick Caulfield in the back line. I've got him getting more than 15 disposals. Very good intercept mark. He's had the fourth or fifth most um, this season. And my boy, Jack Billings, I'm going to go anytime goal scorer. And I will remind you, just for my sake and everyone else's sake, that when these guys played last... Jack Billings had 24 disposals and three goals. So he knows how to do it against them. And I reckon it's got a bit to do with that pick number three over pick number four, Bronson Pally. I reckon there's a bit of, you know, tenseness there. Is he going to finally um, prove himself that he is, that um, St Kilda made the right choice? Well, it's very interesting you say that. I think that, you know, I really do think that he's a very class player, super amount of poise, and he's very, very reliable by foot. Um, and it's interesting, as good, a bon- as, good as a player Bontempelli is, he never really burned St Kilda. I'm hoping I'm touching wood here and that I'm not going to end up yes, eating this, these words. This could come back to bite you in the and, ass really exactly, badly. Exactly. No, that's exactly. He could kick five. But, um, you know, every time, you know, Jack Billings is an absolute gun. And I think it'll just be a couple of seasons. He's never going to get that kind of accolades that, a Bontempelli and a Martin gets. But, you know, I think he's not too far off being that Andrew Daff quality of player. You heard it here first. That's it. That's a hot um, take. So, tips for this game. Where do you see this one leaning? Well, it's a theory that I've adopted since the start of the season. I know you're very similar. I think that St Kilda's best football can beat Western Bulldogs' best football. And because of that, I'm going to go St Kilda by 17 points. That's a lot more optimistic than me. I've got St Kilda by twelve points. I think this game will be um, this game will be decided in the last five minutes. I reckon, in my, in my personal opinion, this one will be decided right at the end. I think this will be an absolute cracker of a game. We know that both teams love the manic football, the chaos. I reckon it's, this is going to be for mine. This is the game of the round. I cannot wait for this game. I think it will be that from an impartial kind of just an AFL viewer in general. I really do believe this will be the game of the round as well. Elimination final, teams have nothing to lose. They have to go give it 100%. Um, You know, two teams are very similar in quality that they've produced this year. I think that it's going to be an absolute cracker. So then we move on to the next elimination final, which is the replay of the 2018 grand final. Um, The West Coast Eagles against the Collie Wobbles. Um. Yeah, it's, I don't know, it's it's very hard to look past West Coast from the outset, but you see the way that Collingwood played in that final round against Port Adelaide, and I don't know, even though they lost by, you know, that three-goal margin, it did kind of give you a glimmer of hope if you're a Collingwood fan that they'll at least compete. So they've got all the odds stacked against them in terms of the travelling that they have to do, having it at Optus Stadium, and with the potential ins that West Coast have, but... You know, if they're able to bring their best football, I do believe that it will be a close affair. Yeah, they really propose a case, I reckon, if they were able to dish up 
um, their best. And we, and we saw what their best was like, you know, only go back two years ago in a preliminary final and in the first quarter of a grand final. So, and the way they played in that 2018 grand final in the first quarter, I actually watched that the other night. And um, Collingwood are um, really able to unsettle West Coast. So what's your key for the Eagles to win this game, besides from the noise of affirmation? Yeah, uh, Alan Richardson imposed. I love it. Still lives on. Um, West Coast, and this will be dependent on the people that they have in, I think they've got five or six of their players that are undergoing a test to see whether they'll be right. They need to win contested ball, and that's going to be a pretty significant task when you're coming up against a midfield such as Pendlebury, Trelaw and Adams. Um, but if they win the contested ball, manage to get the ball into their forward line 50 at a relatively quick pace, I think that it's going to be pretty, one, you know, one way in terms of the Eagles managing to get the job done. Yeah, so my key is for the control in the air. We know that that's what's West Coast, that what West Coast have prided themselves on for the last, you know, three to four years. I like to control the ball, uncontested marks, just chip away, find an option. And obviously, you know, you've got Kennedy who is undergoing a test and Jack Darling and um, obviously Nick Nat also running around in the ruck and Oscar Allen as well. Um, so they really like the aerial dominance. And I think if West Coast are just able to control the ball in the air, like what we saw in the last three quarters of the 2018 grand final, um, Collingwood didn't really have an answer for that. So I think that's the main key for West Coast to win this game. Yeah, contrasting from that, when it comes to Collingwood, I think their key for winning this is they need to play quick football and they need to lower their eyes. You know, they need to, um, even if it's just scruffing the ball in, they need to keep it low because, as you said, that um, back line, McGovern, Barris, you know, all these players, they'll really... And, they'll, and Shannon Hearn, how could I forget... Um, you know, Your just, father will murder you over that Well that's it, I mean What is there not to like about the bloke He's got a haircut that you can set your watch to He's a bloody leader He's a man's man, he's the best going around So I think that If Collingwood are going to get the job done Which is kind of, you know When you think about it in a real paper form It's probably the best way for them to go for. They don't have any real big tools You know, they kind of need that chaos going forward Especially if they want to get Stevenson Elliot, Thomas and to go into the game, I think the best way for them is to just make sure they lower their eyes, get the ball in quickly, and get a bit of chaos going in their four fifty. And even my check isn't a very tall player either. Like he's a very nimble sort of operator. So that's what I have for Collingwood is the ground ball. You know, they really need to um you know, it's need to be a lot more clean down on their feet. And I think that's what's been the undoing for West Coast. Um you know why they probably didn't go back to back last year and why they probably haven't performed so well this year is that they just, just below their knees, they're not that clean. Um, probably in, um, probably exclude their midfield because their midfield is very, um, you know, they're very classy by then below their knees, but I'm only in like a forward and defense sort of perspective. Um, and also Collingwood, they just need the pressure right at the ball, you know, really putting pressure on Kelly Gaff, um, Shuey, if he plays, um, you know, really not allow them to get good delivery and good purchase into their tall forwards. Yeah, well, you know, I think that 
not only is this game crucial and if West Coast get the win, but I just want to go back quickly on Port Adelaide and Geelong because I think the, the loser of that game who will eventually play either West Coast or Collingwood, if they have to end up playing West Coast, I think they'll be quaking in their boots, honestly. I feel I like... I think against Collingwood as well either. Like, I think it's a long lose and they come up against Collingwood. And if Collingwood are able to find a way to go over there and beat West Coast, I mean, we saw how good they were against Port. Like, they weren't far off Port. Um, that if Collingwood are able to go over there and beat West Coast, that's going to put a big spring in their step. And, um, yeah, I, I think um, out of Geelong, Geelong and Port Adelaide, whoever loses that game is probably a lot more under siege than the loser from Richmond or Brisbane. Yeah, I totally agree. I feel like, in my personal opinion, I think that West Coast is the only team outside of the top four that could cause any real havoc as in terms of, you know, preliminary final win, grand final win. But that's not to say that Collingwood isn't capable of playing a couple of good games and making their way to the preliminary final. Yeah. Yeah. You're not wrong there. Um, I do agree with you. So um, speaking of Port Adelaide, this is a shout out to our Port Adelaide supporters, Tyler Buchanan um, in particular. Bit of Ned's nugget to knowledge. I know I've been quite biased in the last few, but um, I know Tyler said to me that he's not very confident about Port coming to these finals. But I can say for Tyler that last time Port Adelaide won the minor premiership, they went on to win the flag in 2004. Yeah, and, and look, when they did that, they did that under some very you know adverse um, influences that came their way. You know, they... They'd started to get a bit of a rap for choking, obviously, and hence the um, infamous celebration by Choco Williams. You know, so um, you'd like to think that that is something that, you know, they've instilled and they've embraced going forward. But um, look, I know, did you drop the stat last week that only three teams, three minor premiers have won since 2007, was it? Um. What was the stat? So I think in the last 10 years, the minor premiers have only missed out on two occasions of a grand final. But I think maybe only... Oh, gee, I can't remember. I did yeah, see the stat. And, I think I heard and it was something. And it was something like only like four of the last 10 minor premiers have won the flag. It's something yeah. like that three or four have won yeah. the flag. I think it just goes to show the way that finals footy is. Like, it really is unique. Um, it kind of takes no prisoners. You can't just coast in and expect to do well. you you really got to work and earn your spot there. Um, I think it's going to be a great final series. I think this is almost the best final series that, you know, has been around for a couple of years in particular, where not only the top four, like, they're very even, but even the first week of finals. Like, I think it's just going to be great all round. You always take your Bruce McAvaney hat off and please take your St Kilda hat off. But um, yeah, no, it should be a good final series. But um, well, in saying on, that as on. well, in, no, our, no, in no. our final, in this final series stat as well for grand finals, last two years, the minor premiers have also not made the grand final. Oh, there you go. Now, before you call me Bruce, I'll just hold you up for one second there. Do you think... That this West Coast Collingwood final will be closer than the West Coast Essendon final. Um, well, 
West Coast did knock off Collingwood by about, what, 11 goals last time they played. So there is the potential for it to be a lot worse. But in saying that, yes, I do agree. I think when you look at all of these games, I mean, uh, I'll do my tips now. I'm saying that West Coast is going to win by 23 points. I reckon West Coast win by 36 points. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, there you go. In my eyes, I think that, you know, all the games besides that last one are going to be close. Um, Depends on what Mason Cox dishes up, in my opinion. Yeah, I know you're a big Mason Cox fan and you can't get him out of your head. It's been like that for a couple of years now. So, uh, actually... Um, So, also in players stuck in people's heads... um, Heath Shaw, delisted by GWS. Oh, that's a that's a good point to raise. Um, I I, th- I find that quite bizarre, to be completely honest. I think that he should, you know, he's definitely not the worst player. Um, he's still making their, you know, their starting twenty-two quite consistently. Um, I don't know, like they brought Mumford would have to be just as old as him. You know, and they've brought him back for a couple of seasons. I think that he could easily get another gig. And I'm not too sure if any other club's going to pick him up or would want him. But St. Kilda. Uh, I, I don't think that he he would get a gig at St. Kilda, quite honestly. Is that because he's not welcome? Well, that's part of it. There'd be a lot of, um, <laughs> you know, I know that I'd struggle from a biased point of view from a St. Kilda fan to really, you know, get around him after he's librarian type skills but um look are you surprised that he can't get a gig there and he's been delisted or what are your thoughts i think gws are moving forward to their youth i i think that's the message coming out of it that they want um you know they want to develop their players that they have possibly also clear some salary cap space you know i don't know what he's on per year but he could be on, you know, not too, not too bad of a wicket. So might be to clear salary cap space because we know that Green and um, Taranto um, Williams need to sign on. So that's yeah, it looks like a... Williams looks likely to depart to Carlton. They're yeah. the front runners at the moment. So if you know, because I know that Heathshaw made his intentions clear. You know that he is capable, in his opinion, of going around another season. Do you feel like there's any team that would, you know, really benefit from his services? Three words. Gold Coast Suns. You reckon? I, I think they'd be stupid not to. Um, Gold Coast is sort of... I think that's what we said um, at the end of... Um, the end of the home and away season that um, they sort of lack that depth and experience. Yeah. And I think right having... Having a good head around like um, like Heath Shaw, and obviously they recruited Brandon Ellis and Hugh Greenwood. Um, you know they're moving they're moving in the right direction, and I think you know if they were able to have Heath Shaw come and play two seasons, maybe not so much being you know an absolute superstar, but doing like the Luke Hodge role that what he did at Brisbane to help, you know, create a good defense because he is a very good defender. Let's not let's not take anything away from him. Um, I think Gold Coast would be silly not to, you know, just throw something at him and potentially a future coaching role. No, I I agree. I I know for a fact that um 
with, with Jared Ruffhead, you know, St Kilda um, offered him a contract to play and then move into a coaching position. But, it, you know, that was decline. I think it was a mutual um, declining of that or either he declined it. Um, I think that a team, you know, that's either just rising up and needs that experience, I think they'd be silly not to as well. I was just interested to hear whether you think he might be able to make it into a team that's vying for finals and maybe he's given a, a potential tilt at a grand final or do you think he's not at that calibre anymore? Or not even at, not at that calibre, but like he's not the answer. Yeah, just think of teams that are pushing for finals. Um, obviously, Fremantle have a very, you know, they have a quite set defence. Obviously, he's leaving GWS. Melbourne seem to have a quite set defence. Um, who else missed out? Um, Carlton. I think they're looking forward into the future. Essendon. Essendon, I don't think so. Um, I think Gold Coast would be the perfect suit for him, in my opinion. Just looking through all this. North, obviously, North? are looking to offload a few... But I don't think you're going to be... I think North are looking more towards their potential in the future. I don't think you'd um, want to go to North Melbourne. I reckon that's almost a steer clear zone at the moment with whatever's going on yeah, down there. I, I, th- I think there's a lot... Like, there's a lot more... Um, there's a lot more in... Um, oh, what's the word? Um, there's a lot more of an appeal for mine to go to the Gold Coast than North Melbourne. Um, yeah, obviously, we saw what the Gold Coast were capable yeah. earlier on in this year. Um, I think, yeah, I think I reckon the Gold Coast has a lot of appeal f- to it. Obviously, Gold Coast are targeting Nathan Broad from Richmond. So, if they're able to poach those two players, um, you know, that's a quite solid defense that if they're building up. If you're Gold Coast and you can only pick, you know, you get the decision to pick one between Nathan Broad and Heath Shaw, who do you pick? Uh, Nathan let, Broad. Let, yeah, let's just say contract-wise, similar salary. I, I'm not too sure of the financials. Let's just say similar. Um, I'd be more entitled to Nathan Broad. I think Nathan Broad's come out of a winning system. Um, obviously, still has a lot more years under his belt. Um, and he's good mates with Brandon Ellis. So, I think I think Nathan Broad would be a bit more logical, in my opinion. No, fair enough. He's call. Not bloody going, but he's not bloody going. No, you heard it here first, and also um, Jack Graham staying at the club. Be oh man to your ears. Um, that is the best news since. Let me recount. Oh wait, there hasn't been any better news. <laughs> um, no, except, except for Dustin Martin signing on in twenty seventeen. Oh. Speaking still... of 2017, that's what I wanted to um, mind you. Is the three-year anniversary of Richmond defeating the Adelaide Crows in the 2017 Grand Final? Yeah, and two days ago was the GWS Premiership. Oh, that one doesn't. Uh, Richmond over GWS, and um, yesterday, comes. yesterday was also West Coast two-year anniversary over Collingwood. Goodness gracious, man! I look. You know where I stand on it? That is the best, I reckon that's the best grand final in AFL history, that 2018 oh, no. grand final. No. no, 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 no. What do you think? 
I still think nothing beats the drawn grand final. I know that probably breaks your heart a little bit. No, but I like, love it's it. a fair call. I love I think it. it. I love it when they're doing, you know, um, they do the throw in and, um, you know, there's that big yeah. pack and they all tackle each other. And Bruce McEvane's like, it's going to be a draw. Like, that's, that's crazy. And, like, every, and everyone watching the telly knows, but the players don't know. Yeah. I, I may as well pop this in there right before we head off, Ned. Do you want to see the five-minute warning back on the TV? Yes. Yes. Big yes. I think every footy fan would love that. That just makes you feel like you're part of the game. I was, I was actually watching... Um, so, doing, Fox Footy was doing the countdown of the best finals. And I saw... You know, the last bits of the Sydney and West Coast two grand finals. Yeah. And um, you're just watching that. I obviously, you know the results. But if you're watching that live, you would have absolutely no clue who's going to win that game or how long there is left. It's and just so much suspense about it. Yeah, it, it is. Like, yeah. I think it's one of the best things that you can have. Like, I, yeah, watching the game from home, it's good. You can tell how long's left. But when you yeah. get that five-minute warning, you know, you're just in the same boat as everyone else and you just, you know, you're, you're really hanging on to every, you know, push forward, especially when it's a close game. I think it's awesome. Yeah, say like, you know, St Kilda Bulldogs game and say, um, you know, um, say St Kilda are down and they kick a goal and there's like, say, 30 seconds to go on the um, regular clock that we have now. But if they do that with the five-minute warning, like, imagine how on yeah. on the edge you'd be. Like, Spot on. I'd still put money on Jack Billings to put it through, though. Or Nick Rewalt. Oh, he's capable of doing that in finals against the Doggies, yeah. That's right. All right, well, that's probably a good um, place to leave it on, I reckon. A good little omen for this Saturday. But in all honesty, you know, I think round one's going to be unbelievable. Hopefully it lives up to the expectation. And um, you'll, you know, you as our fans and listeners, you'll hear from us after all the finals where we'll debrief the finals and look forward to the next one and hope that St Kilda isn't playing Richmond That'd be a good start. It'd be a bit tense. Uh, you beat Richmond. You beat Richmond last time, but yeah, the um, the sexual tension will be quite um. Yeah, uh, immense. Yeah. Well, if for that, I will see you next time, Ned. Good stuff, man. Hey, Jay. Thank you, mate.